1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: Hi, and welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. We are your hosts. I'm Kim France. And I'm Jen Romolini. And Jen...
0: I would have a couple questions to ask you because you had your birthday just the other day. I did. I had my birthday just the other day. It was an excellent birthday. What made it excellent? You know, I don't even know. I feel like (laughs) I just feel energetically it was good. I mean, I planned out some good things. I took really good care of myself over the weekend. You know, I I did some self-care things. I got a new tattoo, which is an annual tradition for me since I was 45. Um, I do, I get a new tattoo every year on my birthday. Uh, and then I planned it really well, considering everything we've been talking about, like not wanting to see people. So I, not not wanting to see people, but feeling overwhelmed a little bit socially. So I did a hike with some of my best friends on Sunday morning, which was my birthday. And we had, you know, it was just nice. And I got to hang out with friends, but not in like a, a boozy kind of restaurant way. And then I came home and I did a bunch of gardening and my husband had given me presents and I opened nice presents. One very nice present from you. Thank you. Yeah. And then um, I went out to dinner with my husband and kid and then I we watched like an old movie. I got a little high and we watched an old movie. It was just like a perfect day. I talked to a bunch of people I like, you know, it was just like, I felt very loved. I felt very chill and I was just happy. I just had like a very happy day. I think the key to it being a good birthday was I didn't have a lot of expectations for it.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've had a good birthday this year, too. I mean, I, I for a long time in my 50s, I would cry every year on my birthday. Right, right. But like, I don't know, maybe because I had a little scary health scare. I was feeling like, "Ooh, 58. All right. Let's take it. Totally. Totally. This is a, that this was a this was like the big birthday before the big birthday for you. So in a way, it is a big birthday.
0: Well, there's no way that the, what I also was feeling very much like is there's no way the big birthday is going to be any good. Like it's highly unlikely with the anticipation of a big birthday. I'm going to be 50 next year in case anyone doesn't know this, but (laughs) there's, with the anticipation of the big birthday, they tend to be at best performatively good. You know yeah. like cuz you you wind up like there's so much pressure on it and what should you do and you plan a big party or you don't or you do so like no matter what they wind up being kind of um anticlimactic you know at best kind of Yeah. I remember my 40th birthday um I had a big party and I remember being in the middle of that party and feeling really awkward. (laughs) Like I, (laughs) I, like there was like a mariachi band playing and I was looking out at our backyard of like a bunch of our friends. We had been in LA at this point and, um, it was really nice, but it was really overwhelming. And, um, you know, it's just always weird turning a decade older, you know? So it was good. This one was good.
2: Yeah. I mean, I sort of feel like, you know, 60 looms so large that I'm just, I'm going to be psyched for my next birthday because it isn't 60. Yes. Yes.
0: And then it's always like, once you're planning something and I'm so indecisive and it's like, should I, should I do this? Should I do this? I don't know. Oh. And then the whole time, like, maybe I should have done that. You know, it's just, it's just a fucking mess. So anyway, um, I had it, I had a good birthday. I really do recommend the tattoo situation though. I'll say it. Um, because I do feel like I am taking back my body as my body is changing. I'm mm-hmm. defining what my body looks like in a little little bit of a way. It feels yeah. like a rebellion against aging to some degree. I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what it's about, but I really like it.
2: I I, I would say. I mean, my I would say that is it sounds completely legitimate. Um, my tattoos, I think, were more straightforwardly midlife crisis tattoos.
0: Interesting. I mean, maybe that's what this is too, and I'm lying to myself. That's very possible. No, no, no. I like your ex- yeah. I like your explanation. What were oh, you going to say? Something terrible happened on my birthday, though. <laughs> 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 which I have to. Which I texted you about briefly, but did not tell you the whole story. An old friend called me a psychopath on my birthday. Did they call you on your birthday to tell you you were a psychopath? Pretty much. Pretty Jesus. much. Um, and it's a, you know it's a kind of long story with a lot of history in it, so I'm not going to get involved in the whole thing. But it's basically a person I knew really, really, really well when I was 19 and 20. And this person and I have the same birthday, and we had a very intense relationship. The way sometimes women have very intense relationships at 19 and 20, and there was a lot of damage done, and I think a lot of betrayal. I would argue on both sides. I mean, she used to read my journal when we were roommates in college, so like that's that's some fucking betrayal. And I and I did sleep with a guy that she had a crush on. Okay. Fair enough. You know, whatever, Mm -hmm. like sins of 30 years ago. But since then we've like tried to reconnect and it hasn't always worked. It's been years of trying to reconnect, not connecting. Sometimes we'd see each other. Sometimes we wouldn't. And what I felt in all of these situations was increasingly that this person had an idea of me that was not no longer accurate to who I was. And that Mm -hmm. as much as I tried, I couldn't break this person out of this idea of me. And so I was very wary of the relationship and it was very unboundaried and very, just just a lot of energy, let's say that. But it it was both of our birthday on Sunday. So three days before, because I know birthdays can be sensitive and I didn't want to reach out to this person on their birthday. Three days before I said, hey, I just want you to know I've been thinking about you a lot. I don't know where we last left things, but I I love you very much and I wanted you to know that, that I'm really, it looks like you're really happy and I'm really happy that you're happy. And they reached out to me on our actual birthday, sent me a song that we used to listen to and I sent them like on YouTube and I sent them one back thinking, oh great, we're having a nice spirited, whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they, they then, their next move was to say... I tried to hit the ground running with you last time we talked and you were very shallow and I'm pissed at you over text oh on my, my birthday. God. And I was like, ah, oh, it's, so- I'm so sorry. I don't really hit the ground running with anyone anymore. I'm kind of really become a very protective person since we've known each other self-protective. And I'm, I'm sorry if that hurt you. I didn't, I didn't really understand why you're reaching out. And I, I-, I probably should have like very apologetic. Mm-hmm. And then she wrote back the perfect works don't count. I know you better than other people. I'm not a gen fan. And it just got insane so fast. And I was like, I don't know. I'm so sorry. I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to um, offend you. When you reached out to me last, I really didn't know you needed me. I've been really busy. I'm sorry. I, I probably could have done better. Historically, I haven't always felt so safe in our relationship because it's been so tumultuous. And the unsafe comment made this person so angry that they wrote back, "You do you." I'm not owning that. Maybe you're just a fucking psychopath. Jesus Christ! I know it was so intense, and even talking about it was so intense. And i I was so I was so upset by it. Like I was like, "Oh my god!" And then as I I, I wrote I wrote the person back because I've been doing a lot of work. There's this great actual book by Sharon Salzberg and Robert Thurman, the two Buddhist scholars teachers, about loving your enemies. And I've been doing <laughs> a lot of work about loving your enemies. So I, I the wrote meditation, her back. Yeah. yeah, the whole meditation. Let's love our enemies because if they're in a good place, actually, that's better energetically for everything, right? Right. So I wrote her back and I said, "It sounds like this isn't repairable. I'm, I, it sounds like you're really, really angry. I'm so sorry. I'm. I, I wish you all the good things in your life, and that's it." And I, and then I blocked the phone number because I don't, I don't want to hear from this person again. Um, but I really started thinking about the things that people hold on to that you don't even think about anymore. Because then my yeah. sister I, my sister called me around this time and my sister was like, because I just burst into tears when my sister called me. And my sister knew who this person was, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, and she said, you're just living in two rea- different realities. She was like, what are you holding on to from 30 years ago? Yeah. And I was like, oh, nothing, <laughs> like nothing. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, 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 I will take accountability and try to make amends for anything I've done, but there's, there's gotta be a line on that stuff. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, there does have to be, but you know, there isn't necessarily yeah. for people. I mean, <sighs> I, you know, it's funny you should bring it up because yesterday there was a comment on the blog that really bummed me out. And made me think about mentioned a person without naming her who I had a very bad relationship with. And the commenter said, you know, she ended it nicely, but she was like, This woman hated you.
0: Was this the comment where the person said, They thought you were a fucking bitch? A fucking bitch. (laughs) And in fact, the biggest bitch they'd
2: ever met. (laughs) The biggest bitch they'd ever met. Now, I mean, I, I, I will own up to my bitchiness. I will own up to occasionally, you know, maybe more than occasionally being kind of a bitch, but like the biggest bitch. And this person who said it is like a Jillian bitch. So to even be a bigger bitch than ever. but it just got me thinking like, you know, about people who hate you, Yeah. people who spend the time hating you. And, you know, this woman I've heard before that she's bad me. You know, but I sort of forgotten about that. It was a long time. It was yeah. twenty years ago. Yeah. You know, but she, you know, she's holding on to that rage. And yesterday, I just felt it, and I felt like such fucking
0: shame. That was that was the psychopath comment. It like brought me back to a person I, you know, I no that longer am. That I'm not. And you know maybe i wasn't the best friend when i was 20 and that's what i said i said i'm so sorry if i hurt you i i know this is no excuse but i was hurting too you know yeah and and we can't we can't change the past right and that's just part of being an adult is knowing like having the grace with yourself to say okay what i did was not the best you know i fucked up i i have the power to move on and do better i can grow that is something i have in my capacity to not be that person anymore and and not even getting into the details of was i that bad you know cuz who gives a shit you were that bad to somebody you were that bad or, yeah you you made somebody else feel bad and so the the getting into the details of was it that bad or or trying to like find like a, a, a slippery way out of it. It's okay to just be like, I sucked. Sorry. And and, and I think you are an excellent apologizer. Thank you. I
2: think if anything, you're an over apologizer, but you always own your shit. You just always own your shit. It's really true. And you know, there's a great AA saying, clean up your side of the street. Right. And right. that's all you can do with people like that. That's right. all I can do with the people. Just not be an asshole, not do anything else.
0: Right. And you can't worry about their side of the street because you can't control it. The nope. the amends is not about them them giving you forgiveness. Yeah. And I mean, and also the way that we kind of just blow things up in our minds and the way we distort them and project things and, you know... I think that this person thinks that I have a perfect life is what I think.
2: I mean, that's what – it sounds like envy is at the root of some of this.
0: Or just like pain that I didn't bring them along with me. You know, we also wrote a column together. We hosted a radio show together. Mm. We were creative equals at a certain point. And I think that that – and, you know, I write about this a lot in the book. I write about envy a lot in the book about people who started at the same level as I did and became – in, in my book, I'm writing about this. You know, the, the only thing I ever talk about, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I think about people who. It's weird to see people who started at the same time that you did who just surpassed you in every way that you wanted to be, you thought, you know, the the smart writers who got to go and do smart things, you know, that mm-hmm. that's over for me. That window is closed in that way. I'm not going to have that kind of career. And the ways that because of how you were made up, you got distracted or, you know, it was just your path to live. It was a different, it was a different path. It was, a, you know. And I, I think about that a lot, but that also how much, when you know really successful people, when you're one of their close, their close people, it's not, we know this. We know that none of this is so, is so great. It, does, it looks great from the outside, but it's actually not great. So it's like coming in terms with all of that. It's
2: true, it's true. I, I mean, We have both watched people explode. Yes. you know We've both watched people who were close friends become really big deals. And on the one hand, it does feel like the movie montage, you know, where like the calendar pages are flipping and like they're getting more and more famous and they're on the cover of Time magazine. Yes, yes. And, yes. you know, all of that. And 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 on the one hand, it's like that and it's kind of exciting to watch this thing happen for your friend. And then
0: the other side of it is just like, nah, nah. well, know. where do I, well, also, I think what this person was saying to me without actually being able to say it was, where do I fit?
2: Well, when she said, I'm not a Jen fan, that just felt, that's so clearly coming from something Inside of her,
0: Whew. and it's just like, and I try to be not a person who has like a performative external identity. Like, I, I mean, you know, it's not external and performative. Like, even social media, I try not to be too like. You know, I try not to. I hate self promotion, so it was like it really just kind of got me. Yeah, was <laughs> like, yeah, but but you know, just where do I fit in your life? Or hey, I really need you. If this person had come to me in in this, in these years and said. I miss you, I need you, I want to talk to you, or anything like that, anything that even smelled or sounded anything like that, I would have shown up. Yeah, but you know what's so sad is she
2: probably, not through any fault of your own, thought you wouldn't. Right. She just thought she wouldn't. Right. And and that fed the anger. Yep. This, this, this being convinced that you didn't care. People are terrified to ask for help and it's the weirdest thing because people love to be asked for help.
0: No, totally. People love to be asked for help, but also people love to like I don't I don't know if everybody loves this, but I you know, I've also been talking to in this research of my life. I've been talking to a lot of my high school friends because that was an early college friends because that was a really tough time for me that I don't that I kind of blocked out and mm-hmm. I wanted to know what I was. Cause I have some friends from high school and I'm like, I can't believe you still fucking know me. I was a disaster. I can't believe why yeah. do you, like what happened between us? Tell me. And I've had some very cathartic conversations with old friends, um, who were open to these kinds of conversations where we've been able to really talk through the, the, the girls we were and the mm-hmm. dynamics in the friendship and what, and it's helped me so much as a person to forgive myself, to apologize, to love these people now. Like I now have like two or three friends from high school who I feel really close to in present day. That is so
2: nice. You know, I did a similar thing when I was working on the book I decided not to write yeah. and interviewed people who I'd work with as sassy, people I'd work with as lucky. Yeah. Um, and I felt like it was a little bit of my apology tour. yes. Yes. You know, because you hear things and it's like, holy God, I did that. I said that. Yeah. Like, and 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 these are people who didn't hate me, you yeah. know, which is kind of, you know, right. amazing.
0: Right. Right. No, I I I know. And it is this thing that um there was this thing on this podcast, the the um loving our enemies. It was on being, they interviewed the the Cheryl Salzberg and Robert Thurman. And one of the things that she was saying is that um how do we get the energy to be compassionate to other people? How do we get the energy to be a a good person, to forgive our enemies? And the resourcefulness to care about others has to come from having energy. And self-preoccupation takes zaps all our energy, right? It comes from feeling so undone, so unworthy, incapable of giving. And Forgiving ourselves and recognizing, yeah, it happened. I was wrong. I'm gonna go on now, do different things. That's the way we get to be compassionate people and kind people. It has to start from forgiveness because self-forgiveness, because if not, we're stuck and we can't have energy without being stuck. Who was it who came without being the, stuck?
2: Who came on the podcast and said, You've got to sit at the table with all of your past selves?
0: Oh, Grace Bonnie. No, was it Grace Bonnie? Grace Bonnie. Maybe it was Grace sounds Bonnie. Sounds like
2: it sounds like Grace Bonnie. Because I thought that was so wise. Yeah. You know, to have love for your past selves. I mean, I could just be hanging out on the sofa, minding my own business, and then all of a sudden something I did 25 years ago or something I said 15 years ago will pop into my head and I will just cringe. Yes. I'll just cringe. And it's like taking that moment of being like, You were who you were. Your circumstances were what they were. You're not that way now, and that's all you can be.
0: And just having that and letting it move on because if you are just turning all of your anger and rage inward, which most anger, even if we're not aware of it, most anger, yeah. like most a lot of people are, a lot of women are a lot, you know. I hate all that self-loathing, it's exhausting and it keeps you actually from being the person you want to be. So it seems counterintuitive to give to yourself first, right? It seems like, Mm -hmm. oh, that makes me a selfish person. But actually, no, because you can't do any of the other stuff if you're not caring about yourself first.
2: It's 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 like, Taking the oxygen on the airplane before you give
0: the oxygen to your child. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. I've been listening to this podcast called Dead Eyes. Have you heard about this? Mm-mm. Oh my God, it's so amazing. And I haven't listened to I haven't listened to all of it enough to like know exactly how it all plays out. But the the concept of the conceit of this podcast is this comedian or this actor slash comedian was oh yes Tom Hanks yes, Tom Hanks you yes, yes, do
2: know all about this he,
0: Go was, ahead. he was he was <laughs> he was cast in band of brothers like 20 years ago or whenever it came out Tom Hanks is directing and he's cast and he goes to like be on his first day of the shoot and he gets a call from his agent and says actually Tom Hanks has fired you you have been fired from this show and he says why and he said and the agent says well because Tom Hanks thinks you have dead eyes <laughs> Like the most American sweetheart <laughs> rejects you, so it winds up being a, a, like a multi-season podcast. I mean, th- this this is the kind of thing that's like could have gone so wrong, but it's all in the execution, right? Mm-hmm. It winds up being a multi-season podcast where people are talking about having people hate them, criticism, rejection. You know, all of these ways that our careers play out and like the mm-hmm. things that like just stick in your craw, how you hear yeah. like 40 nice things, but it's the one bad thing that you cannot shake. And anyway, the whole podcast over three seasons is leading up to what ultimately happens, which is he gets Tom Hanks on the show, which I have not listened to that yet because I want to have that build up first, but yeah. he gets he gets Tom Hanks to come on and <laughs> talk to him. So he gets this moment that we're talking about, the apology tour or whatever, he gets that moment of being like, Amazing. you know. So so, what about my eyes? Really,
2: <laughs> you know? I know. Tom Cruise is probably Tom. Tom I'm not Tom Cruise. Tom Hanks. I believe I read. I read a little thing about it. Is that Tom Hanks, of course, had no memory of ever doing this. Right. But well, that's the thing.
0: That's the other thing. We're we're all living in these totally different realities. But speaking of Tom Cruise, I watched Jerry Maguire the other night. Have you watched Jerry Maguire recently? I have, and you know, I am not a Tom Cruise fan, but it's hard to hate
2: Tom Cruise in that movie.
0: It's hard to hate Tom Cruise in that movie. It's equally hard to think why Renee Zellweger goes and is with him. Everything about that movie is so fucking, <laughs> like, I am now, like, when I watched that movie, I went to see that movie in the theater, so I must have been, like, 20, something like that, early 20s.
1: Mm-hmm. And...
0: The middle-aged ladies, there's like, remember, there's her sister and her middle-aged oh, yeah, lady. Angry. Oh, angry, all
2: her divorced sister her friends angry, p- so angry.
0: And the whole time I was watching it this time, I was like, oh, they're right. They're just making sense. <laughs> 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 These are the stars of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Like, seriously, every time the sister said something that's supposed to be like, wah, wah, I'm like, the sister's right. He's drunk. He's your boss. He grabbed your tit. This is not a guy you're supposed to love. Like, this is, you know... Um, yeah,
2: no, it's really true. It's you're absolutely right.
0: It's so unbelievable to watch things. I mean, I, I think that was a different time. So it's not just about my advanced age. So, but it's 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 weird to watch things through a totally different lens and be like, oh God, you're being so stupid, Renee Zellweger. And honestly, if that movie went on five years, Tom Cruise in that movie with no therapy would have definitely cheated <laughs> on her and left her after things started to get tough. Like, let's let's be honest. There's no fucking fairy tale like that in real life. That's hilarious. Um, That's really hilarious. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my big, my big uh, revisit of Jerry Maguire through a new lens.
2: Very good. Well, I have an exciting thing to report. T- tell me. I got a writing assignment and, much to my surprise, I accepted it because I typically do not accept writing assignments because <laughs> I don't want to write. That would make me have to write. And I, but I like the idea of the assignment and I like the woman who assigned it. So I wrote, I wrote a piece and I sent it to you this morning and it was very nice because you liked it. And then I sent it to the editor and she liked it too. And I've been feeling like I don't know how to write anymore. Like I really don't know how to write anymore. And so then it made me feel really good.
0: Well, you should, because the piece is very good. Um, and I read it and I was like, yes, this, I expected it with all of the lead up to be, and I can't write anymore and all of this to be bad. I expected it to be like, okay, I'm going to give this, I'm going to give this an hour of my time. I want, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to spend some time with this. And I opened it and I was done with it in five minutes. And I was like, this is great. Send it to the editor because it is. The thing is you have built it up so big in your head and it's not. Once you do it, you're like, oh, it's just words. I did the same thing to the editor. I was like, please do not be shy about asking me to do
2: any revises. <laughs> I know it will need your sharp editorial eye, you know, and I meant it, you know, and, 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 and so it, it just, it, it it's a really nice feeling to yeah. feel like I know how to write again. You do, you know, that, or that it didn't go away, you know,
0: you it's true. It's just a job like anything else. It's just like cleaning the countertops. It's the same fucking thing. It's just a job. But the thing is, like, I think the thing about me is that
2: I, I'm a smooth writer. Like, my, my, my sentences go down very easy. Yes. But then I wonder if they have enough, like, weight. You know, if people think I'm a good writer just because all the sentences work well together. But in fact, I don't, like, I don't have a, a message.
0: I don't feel that you don't have a message, but that's always something you can add in in a revision if you're feeling that way you've gotten sure. all the bones down like that's not a reason that's not a reason not to do it to begin with because that's something like my book right now is just a lot of story and next month, before I turn it in, my plan is to add the oomph and the messaging and the weight and the smarts. Right. You can't right. do everything at once. You can't do everything at once. It's really true. You can't. And you it's can't really expect true. to do everything at once. I mean, this is, a, this is, again, You know, I talk about this a lot, like how people will tell me that my husband's a better writer than I am. And it, people are just not shy. Somebody said to me the other day, <laughs> this person who's not a writer, okay, said to me the other day, you know, you write like me. Like you write like how I tell stories. Like your husband is like, you know. <laughs> it's like, Why do people do that? I don't know. I don't Why know. do people do that? I mean, I haven't read enough that Alex has
2: written to really make a, a, to make a, um, a judgment about this. But like, you're such a great writer. Why it's, would people say? What people say the shit they say. And I say that as a person who says shit sometimes.
0: I I know. I just, I've started to really think about this recently, like, I because I've been watching my my kids' sensitivity to every single thing I say. Like, they're in that age where it's just like, ugh, you know, and I'm like, I didn't mean anything by that. I was just telling you, you know, you had, I thought maybe you should pull your collar out of your sweatshirt. It was tucked in. You think I look (laughs) bad. You think I look horrible. You know, I, you know, uh, and (laughs) like... I just realized like the people just say words like that they don't feel <laughs> <laughs> like, like that nobody's really thinking about like nobody's sitting there going, huh, I wonder how this will land, you know. I wonder if yeah. Jen, because I think this person just thought I was that they were relating to me and they were saying, you know, I, if I were a writer, I'd write like you.
2: <laughs> you <know? laughs> I know, like, yeah, go try it. <laughs> exactly. Go try it, asshole.
0: It's fine. It's totally, it's totally fine. I I am really excited to be old and to be starting to care a little to, to have at least a quicker recovery from these things that used to be tormenting for like a really long time, you know? Yeah, no,
2: that's really true. And that, in that you, you were very articulate. I made you read on the podcast, what you said about giving more shits, but that is a respect in which like, I think we do give less shits. Yes. You just, and also, I feel like, you know, as bad as I thought yesterday, thinking about this woman who truly could not stand the sight of me. I mean, I've never been around a person who, like, I could tell could not stand the sight of me. Right. Um, it's just like, you know, she was an asshole. And I was going through a really rough time.
0: You know, I wasn't easy. Life is complicated and sometimes it hurts and sucks and people are complicated and you know yeah I was there was something on LinkedIn which oh god why do I ever go over to that hellscape but you know <laughs> it prompts you it tricks you you have to go over it's <laughs> like you know whatever I went over and there was like somebody who I know hates me it was like it was like a news flash somebody had shared about someone who I am just I know can't stand me I I just know it and it mm-hmm. was unpleasant to to see it, you know, like I kind of was like, oh, I was yes. like it was like the sun shining too bright in your eyes. I was like, ah, and it was like this person had just had a big accomplishment, and I had forgotten about this in person entirely, and then I saw this, and um, you know I, it would be passive aggressive to a congratulate a person who hates you, but I thought it in my mind, oh, good for her, I thought that, oh, good for her. Good for her. I'm happy that she's found something that, that, that she seems to be really good at and is, you know, excelling in. Fantastic. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. That is the thing.
2: Yeah, it really is. God, what was I just thinking about? I haven't said what was I just thinking about in a while, but I was thinking, hang on, should
0: we go to a commercial? Oh, yeah, perfect time. Let's <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> Now's a good time to take a quick break
1: for some ads. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.
0: Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin, and I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. and Sarah absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long, and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess, is the best way to do it. Say it, do it. And
2: we're back. <laughs> it's just seconds later and I still can't remember <laughs> no. okay. what I was going to say, but it had to do with the woman who hated me. And, and I guess another part of it is like you get past needing to be like, OK, I, I got to make this person not hate me. Yeah. Like, what can I do? I've got to somehow like the, I have to I have to like clear the record. And it's like, no, you don't you don't you don't you don't really get to do that. Like they, you know, and I think it's so interesting because you're also talking about getting in touch with old friends and like there are a couple of people I've fallen out with and one person in particular over the past few years where I feel like I've got to take some responsibility for what happened. And I occasionally think about reaching out to this person. But then after talking to you,
0: I, I don't think I will. Yeah, I don't know. I You can't change somebody else's reality. And also, what this person ultimately wants from me is more than I'm willing to give. They want me to be a person I used to be. They want to not feel threatened by me, which I'm not threatening, you know, but that's how they feel. I can't change the reality. When I think about reaching out to people in my life, I think about what's my motivation in doing this? Is it Will this cause this person more harm than good, Mm
2: -hmm. you know?
0: And that's something like I've been thinking about another friend who I really want to reach out to who's turning fifty this year. And I don't know if I'll 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 contact him because I think it might hurt him more yeah. to be it'll I think it might be like disruptive to his life. Well, and he, you know, I don't want to do that. That's selfish. Yeah.
2: You know, I've have, you know, one of the reasons I don't believe in dumping friends is because there's one who I dumped years ago. And I really thought the relationship was toxic. I took bad advice from somebody who said, you've got to cut people out from your life. You know, we still have a, a, several mutual friends. And at a certain point, after you know, I, I, I had seen her since this happened and I had expressed some, you know, contrition for how I handled things. But she still doesn't want anything to do with me and I don't blame her. And so a few weeks ago, and she friended me on Facebook at some point. Okay. Um, which was nice, you know. And I went to go. She had um she had some of her work in the New Yorker. Okay. And she was she was mentioned in the article. And I thought, well, that's really fucking awesome. And so I thought, does she want to hear from me? So I go to Facebook and I saw that she had actually like we weren't friends anymore. And I thought I could go to one of our mutual friends and get her email, but I thought like it's not gonna cause her pain to hear from me, but she doesn't want to hear from me. She doesn't like me. She's never gonna like me, you know. Even if I, even if I express regret for what I did, she's never gonna fucking like me. And 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 you don't get to just like, set, you know, you'd be sending this note off more for yourself than That's you it would be for her. That's it. You'd be trying and, and, to like pave
0: over your potholes, right?
2: You know. Yep. Yep. And there's no paving over them. They're
0: there. It's just not. It's just. It's just. It's just the way it is. And, you know. That's the thing, you go where it's warm, right? You go where it's yeah. warm. Don't go don't go where you're not wanted. Like that's just a fucking that's just like a weird people-pleasing thing, like showing back yep. up again and again to the place where you know the person hasn't changed, you know you're not welcome. You know, I I had this I had this really beautiful birthday with so many friends reached out to me. I felt so loved. I really just felt like so nice. it was so nice. And I had this one bad thing happen to me. And then After that happened, for about an hour, I just was sort of living in the headspace of the person I used to be, which is a person who thought I was a piece of shit. I really Mm -hmm. thought for years I was a piece of garbage, didn't deserve love, didn't deserve friends, didn't know how to have a friend, was always surprised when somebody liked me. Mm -hmm. And- a friend who I haven't talked to in a couple of months, who I'm in very good terms with, but I haven't talked, we've just been busy. And I thought, oh, I know she hasn't reached out to me probably because I'm such a piece of shit and haven't texted her back. Because sometimes I'm a really bad texter backer. I can really fucking forget to text somebody back and I'm I feel so bad about it anyway. So I had this whole narrative that I built in my mind after the psychopath comment. And do you know that at the end of the day, like I got the nicest message from her like I, you know, I love you so much. I wish we were talking more but we're both so busy. And then I was able to live in reality again, which is oh, I put in the effort to the people who love me and I feel safe with, and I I get that back and th- that's it. That's the best we could do. That's, all. that's what
2: you get. And the loose ends are the loose ends and you have to, you just have to live with them. Just, you know, Paul and I talk about this cause he, he went through, he, he had, he had a lot of success, but also went through a very sloppy time. Yes. Like I did. And he's just like, you know, I worked with people who think I'm crazy, you know, that that happened when I worked with them. There's nothing I can do about that, you know, and, 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 and it's that it's, it's, it's all acceptance. Everything is acceptance.
0: It's all acceptance. It's all just really coming to a real peacefulness about what you've done, accepting yourself for your wounds and the the pain that you called other you caused other people and in that self acceptance you can accept other people like yeah. that's how it works right no I I remember I was in I was in therapy a little while ago and I was talking about how much I am um, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the podcast and who gives a shit about therapy, but here we go. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody ever wants to hear about therapy and nobody ever wants to
2: hear about your dream. Exactly.
0: Here we go. (laughs) With that setup. Anyway, I was talking about how much I hated weakness, right? I was like, oh, I just hate the weakness. And um, the therapist was like, it's interesting that you're framing it that way. (laughs) Like, what you're seeing in somebody else is not weakness. I would say it's their wounds. And I would say that you're uncomfortable with their wounds because you're uncomfortable with your own. And it was just this very easy and simple therapy thing. And I was like, oh yeah. And now, now I apply it to everything, whether it's, you know, my mother's weird behavior, wounded you know, whatever, whatever it is, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm reacting because that's making me feel uncomfortable. The woundedness of this person is making me uncomfortable because it's it's triggering my own stuff.
2: That's interesting. And it makes me think about the friend I was talking about last week who's about to make a disastrous financial decision and why that
0: plagued me so much. Right, and last week we just talked about you making a, a financial decision that made you feel really hurt and uncomfortable and angry, and it probably yeah. hit. It probably hit all of that. Yeah. If it's yep. if it's hysterical, it's historical, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> we are really we're
2: bringing the AA knowledge today.
0: <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Oh my god, addiction. Um, speaking <laughs> of speaking of nothing, let's talk about better things. <laughs> Oh my God! The best show, the best show. Pamela Adlon, please, please, just come come on on our our show. show. (laughs) Come on our show. It would mean a lot. Maybe we can get Pamela Adlon the way that guy got um the the dead eyes guy got if he can get Tom Hanks. But I think we have to like base the whole show on Pamela Adlon. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to come up with some Pamela Adlon (laughs) uh, uh, adjacent material or lore. Just a what would be a Pamela Adlon lore? No, it is. What is so remarkable about this show? Wait, let's just yeah. say what it
2: is yeah. for people oh, yes. who
0: haven't watched it before. It's yes. a
2: show about a working actress in Hollywood. You know, like not super, super famous, but working. Yes. Who has three daughters and is divorced and is, you know, going through perimenopause. Yes. And like, you know, she's trying to get her pants on and it's not happening.
0: <laughs> right. Right. No, I... I I interviewed somebody today um for a different project I'm working on and we were talking about what is our greatest desire. Um and our greatest desire is freedom, right? We all desire like what fulfills us more than anything the I the the feeling of freedom and being free. And I I watched Pamela Adlon on this show having so much creative freedom. Mm-hmm. Like because the show's if you just try to explain what the show is like from, you know, top, you know, Top yeah, to bottom. It doesn't bottom. sound like much. It doesn't make even sense. It doesn't make even much sense. And the episodes aren't linear, right? And they don't really no. make much sense. But every moment and every feeling and everything she's representing in this, it's so brilliant. And it's so relatable in this profound way. Like I leave feeling kind of shook after watching it, you know? Well, because she doesn't shy
2: away from shit. I mean, talk about the ugly side of menopause. Like there was a, there was a scene in a previous season where they're at the gym, Pamela Avalon is at the gym with a friend and the friend's sort of stretching and she's got her legs spread. And Pamela Avalon is like, he, you. (laughs) Was like, who else is putting
0: that on the TV? I know, I know. It was so great, and like, yeah, all of the stuff about how not feeling desirable, being desirable, you know, or, or feeling like you are desirable, but watching men's the you know the male gaze be different in in terms yeah. of you, you know. She addresses all of that friendship, being a a, a member of your family. Oh my god, with her brother, oh. with her brother. <laughs> the scenes with her brother are so perfect and the scenes with her mother
2: yes dealing kind with, of amazing dealing with and an aging is, mother yeah and apparently that is all very true to life she has three daughters she has a mother who sort of lives with them who's british Mm-hmm. 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 she's just she just and and you know it's the fifth season of this show i think and another thing i like about it is that she looks older than she
0: did in the first season totally like her body has changed totally Totally. Well, there's that scene where there's she's um, she's dealing with the um, the costume people for a new movie, Mm -hmm. and they're just trying to shove her body into
2: Into (laughs) these costumes, into these
0: like these like period costumes, and like they're putting a corset on her, and she's just like, ah, I don't want to be this anymore. I don't want this.
2: Yeah. No. I mean, that, you know, the fact that it's kind of showing her, she wants to direct more. Yeah. And so it really is about what, you know. Doing what you want to do and not, not, not trying to perform for others.
0: Not trying, yes, not exactly. I mean, uh, literally and figuratively, but the idea that she has this dream to direct and she wants to move out of acting and that it's what it is when you're older to have a dream that feels like maybe, maybe, but even to give voice to it is kind of scary, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, Because you feel, it's not like when you're young. I mean, in some ways it's similar, but when you're older, we've talked about this, there's so much baggage around it. It's like, oh God, could I, could I, you know? And she really, I think this season, she's really getting at that The new relationship with ambition, the sort of purity of those dreams, because you know you're not doing it for any other bullshit anymore. You're doing it because it's the purest thing that you might want to do and you're afraid to give voice to it, like I just said.
2: Yep. Yep. No, I think it's amazing. And and I think the fear inhibits a lot of people and it's cool to watch
0: her do it on this show. Yeah, totally. Speaking of bodies, can I tell you something that we have not talked about, but that I really is really fucking driving me crazy? So- I've lost a lot of weight in the last year. Like, but whatever, I know this is annoying. I've lost a lot of weight. It is not because I wanted to. It's because I have all of these perimenopause related stomach issues. And like every morning, I eat butter because I'm trying to keep weight on my body. Like, I am mm-hmm. desperately trying to keep weight on. I am like trying to eat bulk foods in this very narrow window of foods that I can eat. Right. Do you know how many fucking people comment on my body? Oh, I'm sure. It is all the time. It is nonstop. It is hurtful. It is, you know, oh my God, your skin and bones. It comes from these weird places, you know? Like I keep having to respond, like, well, try not eating for a year. Yeah. Nobody would talk to me like this if I had gained 20 pounds.
2: No, nobody has said a word to me about having gained weight. Um and I do think it's true and I remember when I w- when I was super depressed and got and, and lost a ton of weight it was the same thing oh your body looks so sick I know, <laughs> I know.
0: yeah it's sick I'm sick I'm you got I, it right. I'm literally sick like I can't keep food down like I can't yeah. I can't keep food down and I'm trying I'm trying and people just cannot cannot stop commenting on it and The concern is one thing that's already obnoxious, but it's more the, oh my God, your arms are amazing. And I'm like, they're sticks. My arms are fucking sticks because there's no fat on my body because I'm not supposed to be this weight.
2: Yeah. No, people don't. I know. I don't don't even know. I I don't even know. It is. It is. You know, I had a a woman I'm very close to who had an eating disorder and, you know, once you've had an eating disorder, you struggle with it your whole life. Right. And at one point, she was very thin and she said, you know, it's just people are always complimenting. People are always telling me like how thin my fingers are. And, you know, I was like, I got to tell you, like, it's not all compliments. Like people are actually concerned about you, but what you choose to hear is, right?
0: right? No, I mean, I don't choose to hear any I, you know, I was at a place with my body before I lost all this weight that I was happy. I was working out every morning. I was like, I was fine with it. Like it was like I was I was having like a middle aged thickening here and there, but it wasn't, you know, it was like whatever. I was fine with it. I had really reached a place of like body acceptance, I think. And I was, you know, I was, I think I was like a size eight, 10, you know, bigger than I was in my younger years. But, you know, whatever. was, I was fine. And this really, and people don't realize it. Like then, you know, you start off a conversation like that. Someone hugs you. They like, they're like, oh my God, you're so bony. And then you're just kind of self-conscious. Like then I'm like, what, what am I supposed to take up more space here? Like, you know, it's just, it's not good. We have to, I say this to my kid all the time, do not ever comment on somebody's body ever, no matter what, nothing. Good, bad. Nothing. Just don't make a comment about somebody's body, their birthmarks, their hair. Just don't fucking do it. Just leave that advice. shit alone. Leave that shit alone. Their teeth, nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Um. So anyway, so I wanted, I wanted to bring that because it's really been upsetting to me because it's also like, I didn't do this on purpose. I know, but can I just say, because I've gained
2: weight, I'm like, Romolini shut the fuck up. I know you do
0: feel that way,
2: <laughs> and I think that the fact that I'm thinking Romolini needs to shut the fuck up is behind the way that all those people are being <laughs> because there because there is this kind of like, oh, aren't you thin? I know. I know you didn't do anything but like have a really fucked up stomach for a year. I know. No, I know. I know, and I'm, and 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 I I do empathize with you, and the fact that I do also have that reaction proves the point that what you're saying is true.
0: Totally, and I get it. I totally get it because for because the way this fucking world is, we really like a a skinny, skinny, skinny woman who clothes are hanging off of, and we like a person. We we like women to take up a little amount of space. We we always have basically.
2: Well, Paul always says like. How weird that we've chosen to, pr- to like, to like, what's the very simple word I'm looking for? We put people who like, like we admire people, admire, that's the word. Mm-hmm. We admire people for their ability not to eat. Yeah. Like of all the things we could admire people for their brains, their kindness, their generosity. We admire them for their ability not to eat.
0: No, and all of the people that we see that we hold up as the models of beauty of this fucking skinniness, those people are starving. I am starving. starving. I am starving. I heard Julia Moore say, "I've been hungry for twenty years." I heard her yep. give like, I, "I'm starving, but I can't eat anything because it makes my stomach. It puts me into such stomach duress, gastrointestinal duress, not to be disgusting, that I can't move through the world. So it's like either I I eat and stay home." <laughs> like, and never (laughs) near a toilet, or I don't eat at all. Or I eat like one type of paleo bread with a lot of butter on it, which is basically what I eat all the time. Hmm. So it's, it's a bummer, but yeah, I mean, that, that's what I keep saying to my friends who say this. I'm like, if if you want this, man, if this is the life you want, like there's zero fucking pleasure in this. (laughs)
2: Like, go ahead. Yeah. No, it's funny, you know, speaking of body types, I was looking I get all these catalogs. I get thousands of catalogs, mm-hmm. maybe everyone does. and um I was looking at a catalog for a brand, and I was like, that's weird. They only have skinny models mm. because I do think people are getting a little bit better about you know the occasional size eight model made well as being amazing mm-hmm. right now they're, they 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 they've been using lots of larger models, but I think that that shit's beginning to happen. Like in a real meaningful way. It 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 is going to make such a difference for a generation of girls.
0: Well, even even Euphoria <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's true. <laughs> even Euphoria has a lot of body diversity, like a, mm-hmm. a lot and, you know, I mean, big tits, small tits, skinny, thicker, you know, and and you know, thick is a The Kardashians brought thick into a whole different dimension. I mean, although they are fucking so terrible. Oh, my God. I watched the Kanye show. The Kanye, I know nobody would ever watch this who listens to this show. (laughs) I should probably not even talk about it. But I did watch the Kanye documentary.
2: Well, you know, I watched the beginning of it. I thought it was fascinating and I might watch the rest. But we were going to talk about Kanye. You know, and I'm really, you know, a diagnosed bipolar. You know, I have only had one. period in my life when I was, was bipolar. But if it's, but if you ever worry, it's your diagnosis. Right. I think I'm much more hood depressed, but there you have it. But it's painful sometimes to hear the things that man says. And I just know he's in
0: deep, deep mania. I know. I know. Well, what's so, what's so beautiful about that documentary about Kanye? Um, I think it's called genius genius. Um, is they have all of this footage of him? Uh, so much footage, I can't even believe how much. Because he had a guy just following him around, following him around from yeah. like his teens. So you see him with retainers in, <laughs> just this this earnest kid who's super ambitious, who loves his mother and like has this incredible relationship with his mother. And his mother seems incredible as a woman because, Mm. you know, you're so, I mean, I'm so fucked up that you hear about somebody dying after like a a plastic surgery and you think a certain thing about them, but actually Mm -hmm. she's this, she's this smart, wise, loving, careful, thoughtful mother with him. And it's, it's really amazing because there's all this footage of her and their relationship. And you watch him trying to get his music sold at Rockefeller and Rockefeller and Jay-Z and, and partners at, at that company don't like Kanye because Kanye is not the version of masculinity that they are used to and that they want to put out. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is really interesting because he's kind of the sensitive rapper who's not, who's talking about his feelings. Right. And they don't want him, and he keeps. Mm -hmm. But they want his beats, right? So he makes beats for them. So he keeps going back in. He keeps going back in. At a certain point, he goes in with a boombox and his CDs, and he just starts playing them in different in different offices, in the Rockefeller offices, just making them like trying to get attention, and. It's an amazing study of um ambition. It's an amazing study of somebody just fucking put because it's because talent, you obviously need the hustle. You're never gonna get anywhere. Yeah, and yeah, he's just yeah. pushing this boulder up the hill. And there's this one scene where he raps for the first time for Jay-Z. And I cried watching it. <laughs> like I cried watching it. It was like, it was so moving to me to watch this kid. Mm-hmm. Have his dream come true. And you know, right. and then, you know, you what he gets into this horrible car accident, he hustles through the whole thing. He wraps with, you know the is his jaw wired shut. Like there's hmm. physical trauma from this. You could start to see this as an older person where this guy started who probably had the potential for a lot of mental health issues, and you could start to see how what compounds that, right? yeah fame his mother dying, the only person in his life who really gets him, the the trauma of that. And you start to just see where he goes wrong throughout this documentary. And it's 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 really beautiful. I, I really loved it as like a study of a, a lot of different things and just as a yeah. life and how the, all the aspects of our life like build up. If we have sort of if we have some stuff going on, how that can be exacerbated by the events in our lives, you know? Oh, for sure. Like, you know,
2: being the editor in chief of a fashion magazine was not the best thing to be if you're manic. Yes. And, you know, and you do think like when he thought he wanted to run for president, like you suddenly think you have skills you don't have. Like Jane Pauley became bipolar because of um, steroids. She took steroids. And she suddenly thought she could be... Her husband was like, she told me she wanted to design a line of clothing and that's when I got worried. Right, right. Because you just, you think you can do everything. So if you're someone like Kanye who never has to be around anyone who is telling him the truth, you're going to have a really rough time getting better. And, you know, then there's also the fact that people, people love their mania and don't want to medicate it away.
0: Right. And also I imagine... The, the adrenaline rush and the dopamine and all of it from putting out art and, and like having these big explosions of like attention yeah. and people, you know, it's it's really interesting and like not this is not to say like somebody needs to shut him down this is dangerous what he's doing is is you know a form of domestic yes, violence like this is this is he's threatening her he's threatening the guy she's with which let's not even get into that but like whatever <laughs> he this is this is absolutely not okay somebody needs to shut this shit down but thinking about the origins of these of these stories and also men we've forgotten how to take care of men because we're kind of like ugh i don't give a shit about men mm-hmm. and we don't have really good models for men and their softness and their feelings and like how to like how to come out of situations like this in that when you're when you're messed up and 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 you need to be soft and vulnerable and you see this in the beginning of this kid Trying to make it in this hyper masculine world when he's not hyper masculine. And it's really mm-hmm. interesting. I mean, in toxic masculinity, you know, there's this whole movement toward the, this is going to sound like the woo wooiest thing, but like Liz Plank just wrote a book about mindful masculinity. And I think that we're not helping men and boys learn how to do this. We've kind of forgotten them. And the places that are remembering them are. Highly toxic, you know your Dr- Joe Rogans, your mm-hmm. you know Jordan Petersons, mm-hmm. your Trumps. Those are the Ben Shapiro's. Those are the people who are filling this vacuum for for oh. men and boys. Oh fuck them! I know, but we've forgotten them. We're like we're exactly like that. We're kind of like fuck all men, and the men are like, well, I got to go somewhere, <laughs> you
2: know. Yeah, and they're not. Yeah, no, it's true, and they got to act some way, and they're how. How would they act any differently if they've never? It's never been indicated that they should. Never
0: been modeled. There's no Alan Alls out here. There's no Judd Hirsch. There's no. <laughs> they're not. like my soft man models. I don't know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Those are two good ones. Yeah, slightly um,
0: dating but. D- um, a hut like four hundred years ago. <laughs>
2: <laughs> was all
0: sweetie should we read a couple of reviews because we didn't last week oh we should read a couple of reviews oh yes we should totally read a couple of reviews let's okay. read a couple of reviews let me start
2: okay I'm gonna read I'm gonna read two and then you read two okay 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 this one is from Karen in Atlanta experiencing the unhirable 50s in 2020 I lost the job I invested so much in myself in for 20 years and now at 54 I'm still struggling to fill out figure out what's next Your podcast has been a godsend, so relatable, and hearing Kim's laugh makes me smile every time. Thank you so much for creating content that no one else is talking about and expresses so much of what I'm experiencing and feeling. Kim and Jen, listening to your conversations makes me feel like I'm with my own girlfriends when I can't be. Y'all rock. Super nice. So nice. Awesome. Okay, then this one is from Nikki, turning 40 this year. I am turning 40 this year and I feel like I'm learning and laughing along with the big sisters I've always wanted. Love the honesty,
0: feel seen, and
2: favorite podcast right now by far. Oh,
0: amazing. Thank you so much, Nikki. Um, okay, never too young for these ladies, says XR Star. Zar Star. Zar Star. Sorry, you're right. Um, <laughs> oh, I was just <laughs> guessing. one. <It> just... <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah. Well, who knows how to pronounce an X? It's kind of hard. Um, okay. I'm 31, but feeling old and settled in a 10-year relationship, fired from a big job like Kim- Worried about leaving the work world, etc. I love listening to these women. They make me feel more connected to the generation above me and more prepared for what's ahead. I really don't dig the reading reviews on the air, though. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry. Well, this is a thing we're doing. We might not do it forever, but thank you. Um, but love you both to pieces and bravo to Jen for the seamless transition to co-host. No one's ever done it so well. Oh, God. I was really nervous about that transition. Thank you for saying I know, that. It was seamless. Oh, I was fucking nervous. I could hear it in my voice. I listened to the first episode recently and I was like, I was so scared. I was like, how do I even do this? Oh, that's so funny. I was really, I was really, really nervous to to step in with you. Um, anyway, okay. Where has this podcast been all my life? says BG143. I recently found your podcast and I haven't stopped listening. I love the conversation and I feel like I finally found the podcast that speaks to me and for me. Keep up the wonderful work and thank you so much. Thank you, BG.
2: You guys, thank you for writing this reviews. And for those of you who don't know, but have probably figured out by now, if you give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we will read it on the air.
0: Thank you for listening to Everything is Fine. We're your hosts. I'm Jen Romolini.
2: And I'm Kim Friance. If
0: you like the show, please rate and review it on all the platforms. It really makes a difference and help helps people to find us. If you want to support the show, and uh, we're having actually an event this week. We're on Patreon at patreon.com backslash everything is fine. You can email us at everything is fine, the podcast at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, EIF Podcast. We have a private Facebook group, Everything is Fine, the podcast, I think. We're on Twitter, and you can find Kim on her blog, Girls of a Certain Age.com, and you can find me on tinyletter.com backslash Jennifer Romulini, and whoo, oh, I did it.